0: So this is Pete. Okay.
1: Darling, can we be really quiet for about
0: half an hour? Pete's a cool dude. At 58, he surfs, he draws, he paints. He loves life. He's got an all-year-round tan from living five minutes from the beach, has an earring, lives in thongs, and like any good surfer, he loves to tell a yarn. But what you wouldn't know if you met him on the beach is that his life has been pretty complicated. He's had three long-term partners two near-death experiences and struggled all his life with alcohol and drugs. If you did meet him, though, one thing would be clear. He's pretty passionate about God. But it wasn't always that way. You're listening to The Spoken Project. I'm Sophie Giles. Today it's Pete's turn to speak. Pete grew up pretty much on a surfboard on Sydney's northern beaches, where he helped his grandma at her guest house in Collaroy. His parents banned him from surfing during the school week, which meant weekends and school holidays were fair game. And when he finished school, he just wanted to be an oceanographer. But like lots of kids in the 70s, he ended up in art school. There, Pete says, he learnt to party more than anything else. But in the midst of it all, at age 19, Pete got married. Unfortunately, his first marriage didn't last long. It didn't so much fall apart as come to an abrupt end. In the early 80s, his wife died from breast cancer.
1: We, we got married when we were early 70s and um, it didn't last long and it was sort of one of those things that, you know, in hindsight and being part of that, that sort of 70s era I um, shouldn't have. But God takes you on walks that um That you don't know where you're going or what you're doing until he's ready to reveal it. But then I had um, then I met somebody else um, had a relationship, um, didn't get married, had a couple of kids um, and um, and that broke up about uh, ten or twelve years ago.
0: It's almost disconcerting how matter of fact Pete is about his first wife's death. It's like he fully accepts the things that happened, but just doesn't really want to play them over and over again. I guess it makes sense given how much has happened in his 58 years of life. Like sometimes you just can't keep replaying the past. Pete grew up in a nominally Christian family, and so he's pretty much always called himself a Christian and went to church when he could, at least when there wasn't a surf comp on. But his life was still pretty messy beneath it all. Pete struggled with the drink all the way through his second long-term relationship. He says it was that way right up until he met his now-wife, Vinnie. It wasn't until he nearly died in a sailing accident that he started questioning everything.
1: Yeah, I guess, um, I guess the major, major experience was, um, I, was uh, I went sailing and um, we pitch-polled a, uh, a yacht uh, mid-80s um, off um, Foster <clears throat> On the North Coast, and uh, and I went overboard, um, and I realised that there was a um, that my life at that stage was um, um, at its lowest ebb. Um, I'd hit actually bottom as far as um, you know, drinking drugs, um, all that sort of stuff. You know, I was rock bottom. I mean, I couldn't get any lower. I think sometimes, um, sometimes you've got to realise that, um, that you are so low um, and so um, insignificant that your life is, um, is just a, a shadow and yet he does love you. And I think that's there is somebody in the world that does love you. There is somebody in the world that that you know um, that's thinking about you. And you get you get to those sort of depths where you know um, <clears throat> it'd be quite easy to sort of just go for a surf and never come in.
0: As if he was following the script of a movie, after his near-death experience, Pete decided to kind of get away. So he spent a couple of years in Queensland, getting his life back together, getting a job and falling back on his drawing skills, finding work as an illustrator with Fairfax newspapers. Then he met Vinnie. It was a setup. A friend of mine knew that Peter had separated from his partner
2: and um, she was actually teaching one of his girls art. And one day when I was around there showing her my pictures from when I went to Antarctica and stuff. i just got back from Antarctica. And um, she rang him up and asked him around and didn't tell me anything about it. All of a sudden this guy turns up and he doesn't go home and I don't know why he's there but we all have dinner together and I don't think he left till about 2 o'clock in the morning but it took me about an hour before it twigged that she was setting us up.
1: (laughs) I'd given up drinking. Um... Drugs were a social thing. I um, guess the whole thing was that it was on the decline and I was, I was beginning to see that the, um, the point of being a Christian wasn't to say that I was a Christian. It was what I lived and how I lived. And we started to, to go to church more regularly. Um, but still, it was on our terms. It wasn't his terms. Um, <clears throat> So we still had a little way to go, I think. Um, we hadn't sort of hit our crisis point, um, and that came in 2006.
0: The crisis point Pete's referring to is the day he came so close to death that even the doctors thought he was a goner. One of Pete's passions is digital illustration, and that's what he was doing at home one day when his heart gave way.
1: I had sharp pains in my, uh, my left arm and... Um, that travelled across to my right arm. Um, slight breathing problems. Not not overly sort of, you know, bad, but, you know, ah, you know, yeah, okay, a cigarette will fix that, hey. Not a problem. Um, I walked downstairs and then I suddenly realised that um, I was in a little bit of trouble. And um, I lay down on the studio floor and <clears throat> the dog and the cat... Lay facing me together, just looking at me, and um, there was nobody home, so I had to wait until Vinnie came home. You know, she wasn't going to be home until about five, five thirty. And um, unbeknownst to me, my my son, my stepson, was out out the back. Um, I didn't realise he was out there, otherwise I would have called him. But it was about five five thirty or something, and um, uh, Vinnie came home, and I said, I. I'm in trouble. I think it might be a heart attack, but I'm not too sure. So we raced down to uh, Manly Hospital. They, um, they took some um, uh, blood samples, did some enzymes uh, from the heart enzymes, which indicate heart conditions or heart problems, and um, they were spiking and, um, and going up and up. So they rang for a, an ambulance to take me to Royal North Shore.
2: Oh, I wasn't in the ambulance. They wouldn't let me in, so they charged off. And my son drove the car behind them, so we teared behind them off to the hospital. It was just extraordinary. And we didn't get a single red light from Manly to, um, to Royal North Shore.
1: The worst thing about having the heart attack was hearing the uh, orderly or the, the, um, the nurse saying on the phone um half an hour he's not going to make half an hour you know there's got to be another ambulance around somewhere because um this guy's just not going to make it and i'm within earshot so i'm thinking well this is kind of interesting (laughs) this is not where i want to be the ambulance guys were sort of saying that uh, oh they won't be ready for you you know we'll have to wait around or something but I was in there and I had my leg cut open within and the vein exposed and they were working out where the blockage was um, in record time I mean it was just uh, amazing I felt no pain I felt quite comfortable I was really relaxed and um, and yeah I felt that there was there was somebody there with me that was looking after me
2: and straight into the operating theatre and And the doctor came out afterwards and said, oh, it was such a great operation, and he showed me these pictures of Peter's heart where, oh, it was shocker. There was a big balloon where the blockage was and nothing below it. And then after they put the stent in, there was all this road map of veins underneath and the balloon had sort of gone so... But that wasn't what I wanted to know at the time. I didn't care at all, (laughs) so stop showing me interesting pictures and tell me what's happened and where he is and stuff like that.
1: They apparently took some excellent shots of my heart before and after and and they were trying to show Vinnie how wonderful the shots were and she wasn't really interested, which I can't understand why, but... (laughs) Yeah, she was sort of more interested in whether I was alive or dead, I think.
2: But I, they let me stay at the hospital for most of that night, and that was good. And I stayed there for most of the days after. So, yeah, traumatic.
1: I, I had no control. I could not, all through my life, it was, you know, I, I was in control. Um, and then this was way outside uh, my control. And way outside, you know, um, you know, doctors' control. There's a whole heap of things that had to happen, uh, and they had to happen in a certain way for me to get from home, Manly, to Royal North Shore, in the in the time that was necessary, and have everything ready. Yeah. You know, um, we try to control our lives and um, and he can he can take it just like that Yeah. and so um, so I was really blessed I got to see that I got to experience that um, and best day of my life you know really um, because it changed my life it, <clears throat> It's, you know, um, I guess it's my uh, road to Damascus, um, you know. Um, yeah, I suddenly realised that, hey, listen, Bug, you know, you're you insignificant, but I still love you, you know. OK, fine, um, I've got to change my life.
2: Oh, he's changed a lot. When I met him, he was working 60 hours a week for the financial review and his life was, main priority was work. But now... He's left work and his priority is is God and ministry.
1: We discussed our faith a lot more, um, what it meant to us. Um, We spent, I guess, a lot more time at church. Uh, I couldn't surf as much as I used to be able to, Um, so that cut me out of doing those things. Uh, Through God's grace, uh, I'm now able to surf better than I was back then, but, you know, I, I, um, and that's through him. Um, but yeah, um, I started to put, I guess a little bit more, um, more thought into being a Christian, um, into being, uh, somebody that, that, um, lived that life and not just spoke about it. It wasn't just words, it was actually actions. And, uh, and we, you know, uh, uh, love is an action thing, so you've got to, you've got to show that. And so that, that's basically where, where we were at. Um, it, was, it was very much about sort of actually um, putting God first.
0: After the heart attack, the whole fabric of his life changed. But not just his, it was him and Vinnie. It's like their spirits were awakened, not only to God, but to each other.
1: Dominic said to us when he married us, um you know to become one and it wasn't until 2006 we got married in 2002 um and it wasn't until 2006 that we actually um that was that happened we became one flesh and uh, that was amazing um, i saw her probably, um, as an incredible support, as an incredible person, um, I saw her as, as an individual, um, I, but I saw her as, uh, as the amazing love that she had for me. And I mean, I, I, I guess I knew that, but to actually sort of have it, um, so raw and exposed, um, and I saw that that with her and i and and um and Jesus, you can do anything and uh, and we we literally became i guess one um, we were through the through the the rawness of 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 trying to um uh trying to survive this thing um, the sacrifice that she she had to make um the constant worries that that have happened over the over the years, um, um, yeah, there was a just this pure love, you know, and I and I guess I hadn't sort of, I guess I'd taken it for granted, um, but when it's yeah when it's thrown up at you like that, it's pretty hard not to sort of go wow, um, that's just you know i had to question my love for her and 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 i had to sort of go wow you know you're you're taking a lot for granted here and and not sort of um you know you're still being selfish and i guess that's the selflessness of it was the thing that really struck me
2: i guess there's nothing like almost losing someone to make you really realise how precious they are to you. Mm. I would have said we became one a lot earlier. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I worry about the things that I can worry about. And that I can control, um I just had a dream last night about that. um just you know i I can't worry about my heart because it's in God's hands, and yeah, I mean it's easy easy said than done, but <clears throat> you know um, so the heart is as good as God wants it to be. Um, we've had some problems with it, um, but it's um, you know, I yeah. Um I'm I'm happy um that I'm alive and that um that I have Vinny. Yeah. So I mean if God takes takes me away then that's God's will.
2: I think that life is precious and it's very fleeting and that um yeah. I think that's been good too, helping me to understand that when you die, then it's only just another part of of what God has for you. and um, And Peter's not afraid of dying anymore, but sometimes I still stay up at night listening to him snore just to know he's alive.
0: You've been listening to The Spoken Project. Thanks to Pete and Vinnie Richards for sharing their story. I'm Sophie Giles and I'll catch you next month.